Hello, and welcome to A Well-Read Life. This is a place to share stories about good books and the reading life. I'm your host, Beth Jamison. Join me as I meander through my reading journey and discover the books that make up A Well-Read Life. Prudencia Prim is a woman with a keen appreciation for beauty and delicacy. Tired of city life and longing for the more delicate refinement of the past, she accepts the position as a private librarian for the man in the winged chair, an eccentric scholar, in the charming town of San Irenio. Miss Prim believes she is in the town only to do a job, but once there, she finds herself on a bumpy journey to faith. The Awakening of Miss Prim by Natalia San Martin Finiora is a cozy book that is filled with philosophical and theological discussions, delightful descriptions of scrumptious teas, and lively and sometimes heated literary discussions. It delights and challenges the reader and leaves one begging for more stories of Miss Prim and the people of San Irenio. The range suggested an idyllic childhood, a childhood rich with the scent of freshly baked bread, of sweet sugary fritters, chocolate cake, biscuits, and donuts. I feel as though this quote from The Awakening of Miss Prim perfectly encompasses the many years I spent in my mother's kitchen, in the weeks leading up to Christmas especially. It was here that Mom could be found answering so many questions from her brood of children while simultaneously creating the most delicious treats for us to enjoy. From the time I was a little girl, Christmas carried with it the promise of warmth from her kitchen and the scent of spices and sugar in the air. My mother's baking is something to behold and savor. On any given year, you may find for your enjoyment crisp and spicy gingerbread cookies, a tea ring twisted and filled with lemon curd, delicate little sugar plums iced with the perfect shade of pink, butter-rich toffee topped with chocolate and sprinkled with chopped almonds, praline pecans deceptively rich in all their deliciousness, and my favorite, apricot and white chocolate scones. If you pull up to my mother's table, your teacup will never be empty, and you will be treated to the most homely hospitality. And my mom, exuding her magical gift of love, will make you feel as though you have come home. When I first read The Awakening of Miss Prim, another beautiful model of hospitality, I felt an echo of home in its pages. There are certain books that find their way into your life, and when they do, it is like finding a treasure. You know this is a book that will stay with you for years to come. Reading them is like finding a long-lost friend. I first read The Awakening of Miss Prim a few years ago. It was the kind of book I searched for for a long time. It has a delightful fairy tale quality to it and the charm and sensibility of a bygone era. It was modern, but somehow rooted in the past. It was a book that could show the good and true things in life without being cloying, saccharine, or overly sentimental. It delighted me with its wit, charm, truth, and beauty from the time I opened the first page until I turned the last. I felt as if I was being told one of the early stories, a fairy tale from youth, and I was enchanted all over again. And now, here's more about the story. Wanted, a feminine spirit quite undaunted by the world to work as a librarian for a gentleman and his books, able to live with dogs and children, preferably without work experience. Graduates and postgraduates need not apply. 
This is a newspaper advertisement that lures Miss Prim to the charming and unconventional world of San Jorinio. The advertisement is placed by the man in the wing chair, that is the only name given to Miss Prim's employer in the book, who is an expert on dead languages, a Christian convert, stubborn, charming, and the guardian of his young nieces and nephews. Intelligent and accomplished, Miss Prim lives with the haunting suspicion that she was born at the wrong time, and so the position seems ideally suited to her. She longs for the refined manners, beauty, and delicacy of the past. The village is idyllic. It is filled with old stone houses with gardens that are brimming with flowers. There's a town square with delightful shops, a stationer's, a bookshop, a florist, and a tea room. It is a pleasant, cozy village. This is not a town where people live only in an idyllic setting, though. It is so much more. The people of San Irenio have a conviction about how life should be lived, individually as well as a community. This should be the perfect place for Miss Prim, but the town and the residents' idiosyncrasies surprise her. She is soon left wondering how much of the past she is willing to embrace. The awakening of Miss Prim is like reading a fairy tale. One can hear the ring of Once Upon a Time echoing in its opening pages, although it is never implicitly stated. And like any good fairy tale, Miss Prim is a woman pursued by love, of which she is completely oblivious. But it isn't a romantic love between two people, although there is a very sweet Pride and Prejudice type of romance for us to enjoy. It is the love of God for Miss Prim. It is an expertly hidden thread of love woven throughout the book, patiently pursuing her from the outset. This divine love is exquisitely subtle and refined, much like Miss Prim, and makes itself only fully known at the end. Perhaps it is for the best that Prudencia is oblivious to this. Her nature is such that she would shut down any overt overtures. It is a rich and beautiful modern fairy tale of how one woman finds herself on a journey to faith. Miss Prim, an outsider, is quickly welcomed into San Arenio. She isn't treated as an intruder or looked on with suspicion. The residents of the town are only too happy to take her under their wing and befriend her. In their homes and in their shops, they make time to welcome friends in, to stop their day and converse, providing the nourishment of good food and lively debate. It seems the shopkeepers and homeowners of San Arenio have a never-ending supply of tea and toast, pastries and cakes to replenish their guests. It is sitting around the table in these impromptu meals, and as she works and spars with the man in the winged chair, that Miss Prim begins to have conversations about the ideals of the residents, and gradually, they lead to ones on faith and conversion. Perhaps one of the best gifts that the awakening of Miss Prim gives is that it shows how God can use our small joys of tea and bringing beauty into the world to lavish his love on another's soul and bring conviction and truth into their lives. The conversations are honest and intelligent, Times heated, but they are also gracious and entered into with a respect for Miss Prim's intelligence. Not all of the residents of San Arenio are converts. Many remain skeptics, but there is always a respect for one another, a willingness to engage in conversation without compromising one's beliefs. Contrary to how other books' storylines play out, where a stranger comes to a rigid, narrow-minded town and breathes new life into it, upsetting the social order as they merely convert the town to more modern ways— Miss Prim is not destined to bring change to this village. Rather, it is the village and the people in it who begin to awaken the stirrings of new life in her. All around, in the conversations that she has, in the relationships with the townspeople, and in the beauty she so admires, the whisper of love makes itself known to Miss Prim. But 
She will only let love into her life so far. There is a limit. As we see so profoundly in a scene on Christmas Eve. On a side note, a good portion of the book takes place at Christmas, and the way Santa Reno is described at Christmas time is enchanting. I highly recommend reading it during the season. In the scene I'm describing, the man in the wingback chair, his family, friends, and Prudencia walk to the old monastery for midnight mass. Here's a short passage from this scene. After dinner, she walked with them as, wrapped in coats and scarves and furnished with candles, they processed merrily through the freezing night air to midnight mass at the old abbey. But she left them there, at the doors to the ancient monastery, whose illuminated windows shone like a lighthouse out of the darkness. I love this image of the church as a sort of lighthouse, shining out in the darkness, a beacon calling to rescue us from life's brokenness. Both skeptic and believer are part of the procession, and both skeptic and believer enter the old church, some to worship, others out of respect. But Miss Prim declines and makes her way back to the village alone, holding back from entering in. This scene is handled so beautifully, and I appreciate the charm and honesty in which it is written. It shows a true wrestling with faith. Doubts and misgivings must be grappled with after all. It is, in a way, a means of counting the cost before entering into a life of faith in Christ. Once back at the village, Miss Prem goes to the tea shop. The man in the wingchair's mother is sitting quietly by herself, having slipped out of the church before Mass started. Over midnight cups of tea and cake and toast, the women's conversation turns to faith and the conversion of the man in the wingchair. Miss Prem gleans from their chat that the old woman shares her son's belief and questions her why she didn't stay for the Mass. Hers is a sorrowful response. I want to read a longer quote because, again, it shows that wrestling with faith that I mentioned earlier. She picked up her cup in both fine-boned hands and finished her tea. Then, with a severe look at the librarian, she said quietly, almost in a whisper, Because I can't. I'm not ready yet. I don't feel ready. Not ready for what? The old lady smiled wryly. Not ready to lay down my arms, my dear to bow this proud old head and lay down my arms. This is the last conversation that the two women share before the old woman's visit comes to an end. She makes her escape from her son's home, delaying the laying down of her arms and accepting his faith a little longer. Miss Prim's own struggle and wrestling with faith are echoed in the older woman's words. Although the evidence of authentic faith in God is all around her, Miss Prim finds it as difficult as the man in the wingback chair's mother to enter in and lay down her arms. Towards the end of the book, Miss Prim has an impulsive meeting with an old monk at the town's abbey. She has avoided him throughout her time in the village, out of the fear that he will somehow lay her soul bare. But far from her misgivings, he is kind and gentle. He tells her that he has heard of her love and desire for beauty. But not to be surprised if in the end she finds out that it is someone, not something. Miss Prim's Awakening, as the title suggests, takes place in stages. There isn't a big epiphany or tragedy that occurs to push her toward faith. There is no great crisis in her life, but rather it is incremental. It begins in the village of San Arenio, over debates in the library with the man in the wingback chair, conversations with his nieces and nephews over icons and fairy tales, over drinks with her friend Horatio, over numerous teas with the various members of the town's feminist league, which is as unconventional and surprising as the town itself, and in an impulsive conversation with an old Benedictine monk. In the end, Miss Prim must decide whether she wants to embrace the faith of the man in the winged chair or not. It is a decision she must make alone, without coercion or force. 
The people of San Arino have pointed the way to the truth, but it is Miss Prim's choice to embrace it or not. Natalia San Martin Finayura wisely shows in her book that faith in Christ, although built and made to thrive in community, can only be entered in by the individual. It is a solo decision, and one which ripples throughout eternity. Fairy tales are some of our first introductions to story. They are read or recounted to us from infancy. We learn to recognize them early. They make up our first collections of stories. Cinderella, Little Red Riding Hood, Sleeping Beauty. While we are still quite young, we learn to love the stories that begin with Once Upon a Time and end with Happily Ever After. Fairy tales infuse our childhood with wonder and enchantment, carrying with them a kernel of truth, a desire for virtue, and a longing for beauty. I believe that we never outgrow our love for these early stories. I find myself looking for the qualities of fairy tales even now when I pick up a book. Will it have enchantment? Will it speak truth? Will it satisfy my longing for goodness and beauty and redemption, I wonder, with anticipation as I open the first pages of the book? Whenever I am disillusioned with books, whenever my love of reading has grown cold, I reach for these stories. They are sometimes few and far between, and I often have to content myself with rereading old favorites, but once in a while, a new book comes across my path, and I am filled with the joy and delight of finding one of these stories again. The Awakening of Miss Prim was one such book for me. It is a story of conversion, how a woman is welcomed into a community and loved. I would say that it is a simple conversion story, but really, is any conversion ever simple? It may not have all the bells and whistles of a great tragedy that leads one to repentance or a Pauline epiphany, but it shows the ordinary wrestlings of a person gradually coming to faith in Christ. Natalia San Martin Finayura takes us on a journey of one woman's faith, and it is a joy to behold. Read this book if you want to step into a charming village and believe for just a little while that such a place could exist. Read it to remember those old tales we loved in childhood. Read it to be charmed and challenged. Read it for its delightful literary conversations and its fairy tale quality. Read it for its truth, for its evocation of beauty, for its reminder of the balm of hospitality and community. Read it for its beautiful picture of faith, never cloying or rushed or pushed upon the reader, but steady and patient. Read it for the goodness, virtue, truth, and beauty of the story. Read it to be reminded that a good cup of tea, a slice of toast or cake, does wonders for conversation, friendship, and the soul. Well, that's all for this week. I'm taking a short Christmas break, but I'll be back on January 5th. Until next time. <laughs>